Now more than ever, the industry that fuels the world needs the right people to modernize and unify a global energy platform. The transformation is both digital and cultural. Join us as we explore strategies for success in the hyper-competitive war for talent here on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, hosted by the IBM North American Oil and Gas Team. So, a little about our sponsors, Ericsson. As we're all aware, the oil and gas industry is digitizing rapidly. In addition to helping the industry reap the benefits of cost reductions, capture efficiencies for top-line revenue, achieve safety and environmental goals, digitization is enabling better and stronger connectivity. Ericsson provides best-in-class connectivity solutions for the oil and gas industry with its 4G and 5G private networks. Check out their site at www.ericsson.com forward slash oil and gas. I will put this in the notes of each one of the episodes. Thank you. Hello and welcome to another episode of Energy Workforce of Tomorrow, sponsored by Ericsson. Hello, I am Jason Duff, the industry lead for oil and gas for IBM Consulting. Good to see you guys back in 2023. And today we've got Jim Kosas as my co-host. Hey, Jim. Hey, Jace. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Don't know when this will go out, but let's just keep saying Happy New Year. Hopefully this doesn't go out in April. How was it? How was the winds and snow up north? Says this is Scotsman who's down south near the equator. It was definitely windy and snowy in Michigan where I was for a couple of days and I'm glad to be back in the warmth of East Texas. Good man. So we have two characters. I'm going to call them characters, Jim, today from Plains All-American. We have Dan Reinbold and Mike Galanis from Plains All-American. Hello, guys. Jason. Hey, how are you Morning. doing? Morning. You can hear that Canadian accent already, Jim, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So what are we going to talk about today? Moose, hunting, deer, and fishing, isn't it? Yeah, I was thinking we could talk about wearing a kilt and going fishing. I think you'd look good in the dress. Uh, sorry, there, says the man who's usually in waders. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So Dan, would you like to introduce yourself to the crew? Sure. So Dan Reinbold, I am Vice President for Plains All-American Information Services. I perform a North American role. I spend my time kind of 50-50 these days between Houston, Texas, and Calgary, Alberta. And you're also my brother from another mother from the 90s in Ukraine, correct? That is correct. We were a collection of probably 100 expats roaming around the Ukrainian countryside in the 90s and never met there, but I'm sure our paths probably did cross at some point, yes. Well, the craziest thing is I've never, in the 20-odd years, I'm sure my age now, but the 20, both of our age, sorry, but I've never met anyone else who can finish my sentence. It's these stories, Dan, right, of telling someone what it was like out there. I've been absolutely amazed in the two years, three years that we've known each other of how do we, you know, the stuff that I'm sharing, you go, yep, absolutely, exact, which are crazy, correct? It's crazy times. We definitely need to schedule a future podcast and maybe find another expat kind of floating around that had some time in Ukraine at those days that'll understand all the crazy nuances of, you know, no hot water till October and all that stuff that we dealt with in those days. But certainly when you think about what's going on there today, a pretty sad situation. And certainly I know you've still got lots of friends over there, as do I. So Yeah, prayers go out to those guys. It's a crazy time out there. But nice to meet you, Dan. And then the man with his rod in his hand and his waders. Mike, can you introduce yourself? <laughs> That's a dangerous vision, so I'll, I'll try and behave myself. Yeah, Mike Yellinus, independent contractor. I own and run a small consulting firm, primarily focused on IS sourcing and procurement. 
And Dan and I share a tainted past going back probably a good 15 to 20 years. And it was, I remember the first time I met Dan, we were working a large outsourcing, insourcing transaction, consolidating 13 regional health entities in Alberta into one. And coming out of a meeting one day, I was still driving my race truck, as I called it, and gave Dan a ride back to the airport. And he says, you're the Dodger. Because I had my fishing show called Fishing with the Dodger. And with that, I said, would you like a DVD set? Always marketing. Because guys always kind of market himself, right? And things hit off. We took off from there. And since then, I've been with Dan for probably the last 15 plus years. Helping with a number of complex transactions, which is where my specialty is developed. And as I like to say to folks, I'm a smiley face, but I'm also Dan's bodyguard. So you got to get through me to get to him. So. So hold on, fishing with a dodger. I know what that means, but our audience doesn't. Can we just explore that a little bit? Yeah, fishing with a dodger, now you're dating me. So going back in probably 2003, I had a chance to chase a dream, which was to launch a fishing show. And ultimately I had a goal, which is to bring in the equivalent of a Bass Pro Shop into Canada. And nobody thought it would work. And, you know, look, 15 years later, and there's two across Canada. But that aside, I, I was able to chase a dream and launched a fishing show focused on kids and getting kids and women fishing. And it was a very much a father and son event. It was awesome because I got to spend some quality time with my son that, you know, most dads don't get. And he was my right-hand man at that time. He's 12, looked like he was 18. And, you know, lessons learned on both our parts. It was, it was a great venture. Jason, yeah. I knew I recognized that voice from somewhere. There you go. It is the Dodger in person. It is the Dodger. He was recognized the other day, actually, pre-Christmas as well. <laughs> yeah, that was a little embarrassing standing at a subway minding my business wearing camouflage and a ball cap, my Astros ball cap. And this woman turns to me and says, you've got a great voice. I could listen to your voice all day long. Now, I wasn't sure whether that was the worst pickup line I've ever heard. But, of course, I ran, ran home and told my wife. I said, honey, <laughs> Philippa. There's a chick out there that loves my voice. Yeah, the eye like, whatever, go back to you work. You know, Dan right? and I had to pay that girl $50 to do that, Mike, just to sort of get you smiling again. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, she put a click on my heels. It was fun. But yeah, no, it's, I do have one of these voices, or at least I'm told I do, that, you know, when I was in New Zealand, it was in New Zealand as well where we started fishing, but I was down in Mexico trying to hide on a vacation. And people would come up and see me and they'd all want my autograph. It's like, whatever, go away. I'm on vacation. Leave me alone. And I, mean, I had this groupies follow me around, say something. I said, why? It's just my voice. It's about like so you and I. Somehow, somewhere, I resonate with someone. Sounds like you and I's time in Ukraine, Dan, I think. Well, maybe not. And I'm not sure how much he really had groupies, Dan, did he? <laughs> no. And, and you know, the, the irony, Jason, in all the years I've known Mike, him and I have never gone fishing. No way. I didn't even know that. Never gone fishing. In fact, the Rock Dodger, the famous boat of which he plied his trade across the rivers and waters of this great planet we're on, was largely in dry dock for as long as I knew him. And so done lots of hunting with him, and but never, ever gone fishing. So I think, you know, Mike, that's probably an outcome of this discussion should be, if you're going to resurrect the Dodger, I would like to be on that boat for a little fishing. Yeah, the unfortunate thing is, Dan, I think that the old Dodger, not me, the boat, has seen better days and is rotting in my brother's field up in northern Alberta. And I was actually thinking of cutting the nose off and putting it on the front of the wood shop, like one of those things that are busting out of the walls. But I'm a pretty simple man. I look at it and I traded off not taking Dan fishing on the condition that he cleaned all my animals when we went hunting. <laughs> 
And so far, that's been very successful. I just sort of stand there, shoot them, make some noise, crack a few jokes, and this processed animal is in the back of my truck, and I don't even have to lift it into there because I'm, like, old and tired. I certainly picked up from, Mike, one of my catchphrases that everyone bugs me about, but I've I spent my life outsourcing my non-core competencies, and I think Mike's been doing that to me for some time as well. So Exactly. And it was funny to quote Steve Martin on something like that. It's a case where he rambles on and everybody's absolutely amazed how well he's done. And I said, but what's most amazing is I get paid for doing this. (laughs) So we should call this episode not fishing with a Dodger, I think, maybe is. None of us have gone fishing. That'll work. So Jim, bring us back into into line with this one. What do we want to talk about today, Jim? Sure thing. But before I do, I did hear a rumor that Fishing with the Dodger is now available on YouTube. So I was checking out some of those episodes. Oh, good shout. How much are you getting paid for that one? Oh, just a six pack, I believe, is, is the, uh, <laughs> the arrangement that we put Milwaukee, forward. Milwaukee. And what was even worse was it was, yeah, it was Canadian beer. So it's not quite as strong as the American <laughs> beer, but it's brewed with passion, shall we say. Uh, actually, we will put, actually, it's a good point, Jim. We'll put the Fishing with a Dodger YouTube connects into the show notes because that's that will definitely show you what Mike's talking about, where he's come from. And actually, Mike, it is quite an amazing. I think we all take the joke, you know, joke a little bit, but it's a fantastic thing that you've done of actually getting in the series and getting two series out. I think it's fantastic. Something that I've, I'm very envious of in a nice way. Yeah, it was a dream I chased, Jason. I didn't think it was going to happen, but it did. And unfortunately, everybody got paid but me. I mean, welcome to the networks. I mean, that was you know, 25 years ago or 20 years ago, and I'm a lot smarter now. So it'd be interesting. I've got a lot of people pulling on me to want to get it back on the air. And we put a poll out just before Christmas saying, you guys interested? And I was absolutely blown away by the feedback we've got. Yeah. So I've tried to convince my son to dust off his waiters, and he's going, Dad, you're not ready, are you? I said, let's do it. So we'll see. Good man. So, know, Jim. Fishing with Before the we go into the fishing and tickling trout, let's take it back to energy workforce of tomorrow, Jim. Yeah, there you go. So, Dan, I know you've got an ambitious digital transformation program going on at Plains. Keen to you know, have you share a little bit about your ambitions there, specifically around what you're trying to accomplish, and then just the workforce and skills that you see as really foundational to meeting those ambitions. Yeah, I think, you know, when you think about digital transformation, it's one of those words that's been thrown around quite a bit lately. And I think, you know, it probably scares folks, certainly, you know, when you think about digital transformation, because it's foundational change is really what it is. And I think, you know, when you think about that level of change and people's inherent resistance to change, I think you've got kind of a double-edged problem here where one, you're trying to digitize or, you know, computerize your world in some cases would have been, you know, very manual processes in oil and gas. And then you're compounding that with a lot of personnel change or compounding that with a lot of process change. And I think, you know, it's, you know, where digital transformation, I think, is stumbled in most organizations. And I think I would say similarly at Plains, as we started this journey, it was really that what it was called, what was understood it to be, as well as, you know, ultimately, what's the impact on people and the way they work. And so I think that translates itself into, you know, what we've been doing at Plains, where a lot of foundational work underway, including how we operate. And I think one of the workforce challenges that we've seen at Plains is now our inability to attract the right talent to do the right types of work. And so for us, that's where partnerships and strategic outsourcing and managed services, et cetera, come into play. It has to play, I think, into a modern workforce management approach for organizations. We can't do this on the backs of just employees anymore. The talent is hard to find. It's, as we well know, employees 
are fickle and will move a lot more frequently than they've done historically. I think the days of the 20, 30 year employees in IT are probably, you know, we've got some of those folks today at Planes, which are fantastic. But I think the new workforce coming in, we can't anticipate that that's going to be the case. And so, so you work with companies like IBM and others to try and help bridge that, pull on their expertise and resources to help us, you know, I think, fill the gap that we have at the same time, give our staff an opportunity and employees to give an opportunity to be able to get into, you know, looking at the way they work a lot differently, as well as I think giving them opportunities they didn't have in the past because they've been potentially you know, involved in more day-to-day operational activities. So I think, you know, it's been an interesting journey. I would highly recommend that companies don't try to do any major level transformation in the middle of a pandemic. That's always an interesting (laughs) planning construct that, you know, certainly none of us had in the backs of our minds. And we started this in, you know, late 2019. And, but I think, you know, it's coming along, but I would say, We're far from being able to say that we're really on an effective digital transformation journey yet. Right now, it's a lot of foundational work and it's a lot of just stabilizing and, you know, really bringing together, I think, the North American strengths that we have as a company today. It must be a great... Oh, it must be a great way then, Dan, than retaining the people. If you're telling them that, you know, the business is going through a transformation and this is the journey they're going to go on and reskilling. I mean, that's a great way to retain and also bring new skills into Plains All-American as well, right, Dan? Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things you can't take for granted is a lot of the business institutional knowledge that staff have today. Yeah. And what they've been good at is being resilient around technology throughout their careers. And so I think we need to take advantage of that in terms of, you know, affording them the opportunity to continue to reskill, retrain. The technology is moving at a pace, as you guys know better than I do, that is pretty hard to keep up with sometimes. And so, Again, when you're not connected at the hip with partners and vendors that are supporting you in this space, makes it very, very difficult. You can quickly become out of touch with what's going on in the industry or what's going on with technology. If you're not, again, you know, whether it's trade shows and conferences and, you know, staying connected on those things. And again, during the pandemic, that stuff was really tough. I mean, I know... I didn't enjoy the virtual conference or town halls. Those were tough, right? You know, you miss that people interaction networking. And so getting back into that, getting folks an opportunity to be able to, yeah, look at new skills, new technologies. I mean, we're deploying lots of new tech at Planes and will be over the next 10 years. And it affords our staff a great opportunity to get their arms around that. At the same time is start to provide a compelling case to attract the kind of talent that we have today. When you're only working on a lot of old stuff, it's hard to get young kids coming out of college and universities to come and work on some of that, those technologies. So yeah, it's been a big change for sure. Yeah. So I would agree with that, Dan. I'd throw out as well from my old outsourcing days, you know, it's what I would refer to as what I call the technology stovepipe. And I'm not talking flashing lights and process. It was literally a stovepipe inside an organization that an organization can only take their services and their capabilities and technology so far before you, you run out of speed and power and working with a you know, a partner, IBM or otherwise, right? They, they bring that expertise to the table, which allows your your team to foster and grow because they'll play with stuff now in this new world that they will have never seen before. And they're not going to get that unless they go to a an outsourcing or an outtasking partner. And a lot of them don't. A lot of them want that grassroots core business relationship with whether it be planes or otherwise, but inside the corporation, inside the client, but being afforded the opportunity to play with new technology and learn from the experts. And I always saw through my career that that was a huge, huge advantage from an outsourcing aspect. Hey, Mike, you've been in the procurement game for a while now, let's say. and He's only he's 25, out- by the way, Jim. Oh, there you go. So he started at an early age. <laughs> yeah. 
So, Mike, you know, partnership is a word that gets thrown around quite a bit, but I'd be keen to get you kind of your perspective on how that's changed in your years of experience and how important it is now, given, you know, the challenges that Dan kind of outlined around the digital transformation going on right now at Plains. Yeah, 100%, Jim, and I think you nailed it. The net is from a relationship aspect. I mean, we're all young in our career. We're always chasing, trying to save that magical buck. We can't see beyond the end of our nose. Like, we're not focused on the future. And early in my career, I mean, I fell victim to it. It was always about, you know, get the deal in, get it done, get it slammed, save some money. But we didn't develop the relationships early on some 30 years ago. And I've learned quickly through my career that over time, paper is just the paper so that we can make sure the accountants pay the invoice on time. But the true relationship is just that. It's a relationship of the puts and the takes. And being able to look beyond your nose and close a deal that works for today, but more so a a deal that that works long-term with the flexibility, the creativity, the ability to, as I call it, keep a ledger on the side. You win some, you lose some, but at the end of the day, we all win. And to really work hard toward a relationship built on performance, not on GNA. And I think that I see a lot of that that's lacking right now. Like I, I chuckle the number of times that I come to the table to work a deal with Dan and complex or otherwise. I always try and portray myself as that dumb fishing guy because that's what people remember me as. Because if they actually looked at my LinkedIn profile, they're going, oh, here it is. You know, Goliath has come <laughs> to the stadium. We're going to do everything we can to take him down. And I'll take a completely opposite approach and I'll massage and work the relationship in the transaction to prepare something for today that'll work 10 to 15 years out and rely upon that relationship. So I've got an issue. I mean, you know, full disclosure, if I've got a problem, I'll pick up the phone. I call Jason, I call you. And I'm saying, guys, here's the net of the issue. Contract may say this, but what are we going to do to resolve this? And we always get it worked through. You know, so there's more emphasis, I think, that needs to be placed on the relationship mm-hmm. and the long-term longevity of the partnership, which is a very strong word than it is just going in and closing a deal at a, at a good cost. What about cost. the changes, though, you've got in the mindset of that one, though, Mike or Dan, of both of you? Of, I mean, clearly there's a mindset change where a partnership really means, hey, we're an investing time. We're going to do work together. We're going to go through this rocky period of, it's like a marriage, or <laughs> maybe I shouldn't talk about marriage, or my wife will t- start talking. But yeah, hopefully Margaret's the talk. But you go through this it's a rocky area initially, of understanding how you're going to do it. And there's people and mindsets you need to change to do this, right? I mean, digital, Jim said up front, but then the way of how do you bring an IBM or a Microsoft to the table? I mean, Dan, how have you dealt with that one in terms of changing the mindset? I think, you know, one of the historical behaviors that I've seen in my career is that, you know, vendors and software developers, et cetera, have been, you know, kind of viewed as they're here to sell you a commodity and try and pick your pocket along the way. And when you keep them at arm's length, you know, and you're only buying product, well, that's what you're going to get out of your relationship as a product, right? And I think the problem is, as we've evolved to services and platforms and, you know, a complete evolution in the way in which technology is used by companies today, you can't afford to treat them as a commodity service provider anymore. You know, I think, you know, yourselves are in the development game and things, you know, when you've got products that we consume today, Microsoft, we consume products from them, Oracle, we consume products from them, you know, again, and when you consume a product and a service that are kind of tightly bundled, the relationship is fundamentally different. It's not a licensed procurement relationship. It's now a, you know what, we got to win together. Otherwise this is going to, we're all going to lose. And, you know, it's not, it's one thing that, you know, 
IBM or Oracle has sold me some technology. It's another thing when suddenly you've got a platform that's now interweaved in all of your business processes and your vendors are very, very much involved in understanding how your business works and how they consume and use your technology. I think it's a way different world than what I when I started my career 25 years ago when you were really buying stuff from companies and they would install stuff and it's kind of like buying a furnace or buying an air conditioner, right? You know, you're not buying a service, you're buying something to just keep your house warm or cold. And that's totally changed for us now. And I think leaders have to evolve their thinking. Otherwise, you know, you can't buy cloud as a thing. It's a service. It's really a comprehensive relationship for sure. Mm. And I guess Mike on the... And yeah. I, would, I would just add, sorry, Jason, I was going to just say, Dan, I would add to that as well and say that, you know, I learned early on that when I was on the vendor side of the house in the outsourcing world, that you would learn very quickly to understand your client's business. And you would put solutions together that were beyond commodity as you've described. And I remember one that we did with CP Rail. This would have been probably back in the late 90s. Are you allowed to even say that, Mike? CP yeah. Rail? Former client? no idea. Yeah. <laughs> former client? Former clients? Former clients? Yeah. CP Rail. Well, they're not my client anymore. Yeah. Put it this way, the firm I worked with had a client called CP Rail, and I'm no longer with the clients <laughs> or with the firm, so that is fine. I do take your advice from a commercial and legal aspect, as I always do, and this is where I put in that Bart Simpson, don't, but anyways. So the net is, I learned very quickly with the GM of Signals and Communication that he did not care about SLAs, and it, it took a lot of work. I mean, I took my team kicking and screaming through this, but the client loved it because we saw the vision as to where the client wanted to go and help the client run his business. We became as much a part of the business as the client was himself and driving his trains. It's interesting on kind of that point, Mike, when Dan was describing the ambitions around the digital transformation, that even that we call it a digital transformation when it seems like the, the real challenges around a lot of this are more on the process, organizational, operating model and skills. And, you know, the technology, while complicated, is a little bit more manageable than some of these other changes. So kind of back to those kind of the skills that you need and the partnerships that you need to develop to be successful seems as critical, if not more critical than the technology itself. Yeah, 100%. I would even say I boil it all up to one thing called trust, right? Like I'm, I'm going to battle with my peer, you know, in this case, we'll say you and Jason, but I want to know when I charge that hill that I've got you right by my side. And I mean, that's just done through trust. And that's where the contracts come in. Do I really need to have a contract in play to say, you know, your job is to do this? No, because you know what your job is through our relationship. And we all have a common goal and a common vision. And we're going to take that first hill. Let our team stabilize it and we're going to look for the next hill. For me, that's yeah. both sides, Mike. That's the bit where it starts really getting to marriage or something that we can really, if there's trust there and confidence, you've got each other's back. We're not having to go back to the contract, as you and I have always said on this one in the last year and a half of like, we've done enough here. This is a partnership. And as you know, that's my biggest, I hate, the problem I think I've seen, Mike, and you must have gone through this and you, Dan, is, a contract for the sake of doing a contract and you're just sort of turning and burning stuff, what are you going to get? It's revenue coming through my door, fine. Maybe if I do a good job, I get dancing, congrats, and doing some sort of press release. But to be honest, for me, it's partnerships. It needs to be longer term, longevity, and then you get the right people, the right investment. We understand you guys. We know what you guys do. It's not just asking, coming in, doing a piece of work and disappearing. For me, that's the future of this as well. 
Jason, I think, you know, I said at this stage of my career, I only want to do business with people I'll drink beer with, right? You know, and I think, you know, there's a undertone to that. And the reality is, to your point is, I'm not interested in, you know, Mike's job is the deal. I'm interested in the relationship. I'm interested in the outcome of what is, you know, in some cases, a leap of faith of investment in new technology. And as we look at how things are evolving today, there's a lot of leaps of faith. You're jumping into, you know, I can remember talking about guys that worked with me 15 years ago on cloud. And they were like, yeah, that's never going to happen. You know, we're not going to do stuff like that. And, but because now all of a sudden it's the, to Mike's point, a totally different trusting relationship to say, listen, you're going to do this stuff for me that I've historically done for myself. And I think if I look back at my career, one of the things that I'm grateful for is I'm actually not an IT guy by background. I've never tried to be or was in a position to be the smartest technical guy in the room. And so I never, ever felt the oh boy, do I need to be able to do this myself? I've always relied on partners. And, you know, I learned a ton of that from Mike as we were going through some of those bigger deals in our previous lives that there's no way we could run data centers and do the things that we thought we could do. There's no way you can do that stuff today. And I think, you know, it's carried forward to the fact that when you build a trusting relationship with a partner, and again, and maybe it does involve raising a glass of beer or whatever is your poison of the day, you know, that is an important thing because over those beers, you're going to be able to at least get through some pretty tough discussions. And ultimately, I think, you know, is the strength of those partnerships. And as I get longer in my career and towards the end of it, you know, that group of vendors is narrowing more and more and you're starting to invest more and more in a smaller group of people for sure. I think, Dan, the other thing that excites me as well is it almost feels like IT in the last couple of years has been supporting the business. What you and I have discussed here, specifically on pipelines, well, guess what's going to happen? The transformation of the business is you guys will be asked to track molecules. We're going to have to track rail cars. We're going to have to look at different business models and offerings to keep and retain and if we do this right, the what IT, the value that IT can then drive in that digital transformation back to the business. For me, that's the exciting bit of a next level of this, Ab- Dan. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, you know, you're right. It's not about, you know, we've been doing a lot of plumbing work lately as part of this, of our foundational work, whether it's, you know, consolidating our email systems and all that good stuff. You know, that's not what excites me, but those are foundationally critical to being able to have that next level of conversation. And that's why we created this North American, this role and why we've been in a position to try and consolidate all these systems, expand our partnerships with key vendors to be able to afford us the ability to take those next steps and look at the next level of technologies and doing that, the stuff that you very much described, because I think there's real EBITDA to be generated as a result of this and both on the cost and on the revenue generation side. So I think it is exciting. And the best part is the technology we have at our disposal today is fantastic. I mean, if we had this 20 years ago, think of what we could have done, right? And so it's a pretty exciting time for me, for sure, as I look at how this works and what we can do it, you know, and the challenge is always going to be the people and how quickly can they adapt to new technology? And we're getting more comfortable, obviously, in our personal lives doing that. But I think, you know, corporate lives are still lagging a little bit, but we'll, we'll definitely get there. It's good stuff. So. Well, and I think, Dan, the, one of the things we have to be sensitive to as well out of that is almost, you know, in keeping with the theme of this podcast, is that the readiness of for the workforce for tomorrow. Yeah. And this is not something you're going to pick a textbook up on figure out. Yeah. I mean, the technology, I mean, I'm going to probably use the wrong term and quote the wrong one, but it's almost like Ohm's Law right? You know, close your eyes and it'll triple and triple in size by the time you open your eyes. And there's no way, I don't care how brilliant you are, you can keep up with that level of technology. So you've got to find somebody to work with, to entrust with them, 
to help you get to that next step. Back to my example of the signals and communication. The client had a vision. We took it as far as we could with the technology at the time, and we're able to grow with that client. But I look back now and I'm thinking, if I could take today's technology that we have deployed right now and what we're looking at deploying and go back 20 years, it would have been terrifying. It would have been awesome, but terrifying. Like we'd be breaking ground that no one was, the, the doubters of the cloud, right? Like everybody, I mean, when I started my career, the cloud was something you just went, ick, right? And now it's a cloud first, cloud first on everything. And anybody that thinks they can run stuff on-prem, well, slip back to the 90s, guys, because it's not going to work. And if you want to get a career in building stuff on-prem, like the concept of a data center nowadays, it's iron and the lights flash. That's not your core competency. And Dan, I, I look at an example you always used to use when we'd be doing negotiations for Alberta Health Services when we consolidated all the various regions. And I've, I've used this so many times. It was a case where you said, my job is not running IT. My job is putting the tools and processes in place so the docs can get the patients fixed. We're good at putting bandages on open wounds. I don't want to be known for running the best clinical system. I don't want to be known for running the best technology. I'm there to facilitate the business. In this case, was the docs and the clinicians. Yep. And that's so often that is forgotten. True. What do you think it looks like? I mean, our business, I see us as consultants and on the SI side, having to consolidate, like we do, I think, with planes, is bring the right partners to the table. As we go forward, we have to bring, you know, you guys will ask more of us, and it makes sense for us to consolidate. I would imagine, Dan, to your side as well, as much as going to be you guys looking at Chevron, NOV, other partners to look at our people in the oil and gas industry, it's a small industry of learning from these guys as well as we go forward, right? I mean, that's, for me, I think in the last 10 years, it's all been IP and we can't share and we're very proud. I see people breaking those barriers down a little bit more and sort of sharing of what have you done? Why? How do we learn? Is that what you're seeing as well, Dan? Yeah, I think we've been pretty good at that over the years, even, you know, as companies competed against each other in many respects. IT's always been somewhat insulated from that. We've always been pretty close about sharing. But, you know, I've also, I take a lot of inspiration from outside of oil and gas. And I look at other companies and how they work. And I think you and I have talked about this, Jason, in the past. Like, I think we're, Planes is more like FedEx for oil and gas than we are like Exxon, right? And so when you think about logistics, moving product, you know, storing product, you know, diverse customers across very large geographic areas, there's lots of parallels between us and a FedEx, DHL, you know, pick your logistical company today, even Amazon in some cases, right? I mean, I joke that I bet you an Amazon fulfillment center is probably more like a pipeline control center than we want to admit, (laughs) right? And so, you know, you look for inspiration in those spaces. And again, a company like, you know, UPS, they've been around for a hundred years, right? So I guarantee they've got lots of legacy tech. And so they are probably dealing with many similar problems that we have at Plains today as well. Likewise, you know, you've got a company like Amazon born in the digital era for all intents and purposes, you know, and utilizing, you know, a technology first and a cloud first, you know, approach on just about everything. They manage some very complex stuff. So it's interesting to get inspiration from them as well as, you know, yeah, there's some great stuff going on with a number of our competitors as well as, you know, companies like NOV and others that are not necessarily in our space, but certainly helping us and working, you know, definitely supporting us. And again, we're a big customer of companies like that today. You know, and Dan, I would chime in and say that I would, you know, listening to you and Jason, I would say that, you know, beyond technical and beyond the process and everything we've chatted on, it's becoming part of an ecosystem. And the question is finding that ecosystem and joining the ecosystem. 
and pulling on your brothers and you know sisters in that ecosystem to learn the best of breed, the trials, the transactions. No one to jump so you don't fall yep. and scrape your knees. And I mean, we can't do that on our own. We have to, you know, lower our guard, drop our shields, and learn to trust our peers, our competition, and say, what are you learning? I mean, Jason, case in point on recent transactions we've been working on. I mean, if it had not been from knowledge and experience from some of your partners that you and Jim have worked on or your clients, right? You know, generally speaking, obviously no share of confidential information, but just heads up, watch for this, watch for that. Look what's coming down in this avenue. Dan's awesome. I can't say good because he's also my client, but Dan's awesome. Have you paid right? him yet, Dan, this month? It looks like he's looking for a payment, Dan. No, no, he has not paid me yet. Trust me, the, the last <laughs> check bounced, by the way. But anyways, what I'm driving at is that you got to be able to reach out and raise the surrender flag, but without surrendering. It's, it's more of a, I want to join the party flag. And sit down and candidly speak without breaking, you know, corporate confidentiality and whatnot to be able to say, what if, what have you learned? If you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? And I look at it from a procurement aspect. Everybody loves to do reference checks. And we've all sat through so many reference checks on transactions. But by the time you get through, it's like, okay, now bring me somebody that's really going to tell me what's going on. What would you do differently if you did it all over again? And we need access to that avenue, that eco center. Hey, listen, I know that we're getting, this has been a great podcast. We'd, I think we should do this one again, Jim. I know we've come up with time, but I think I'd love to get these guys back on again. The characters, him, the man in the waders and my brother from another mother from Ukraine. So yeah, Dan Reinbold, Mike Galenis, thank you very much. Any last comments, Dan? Enjoy it. Thanks very much. Appreciate the opportunity. It's been a bit of a bucket list thing for me to do a podcast, so I'm pretty excited. You and I have been talking about this for a while, so thanks for And I don't think Mike swore once, I don't think. Jim, I don't know if you were cut. My meter didn't go off, so I think we're See, there you go. We controlled the Galenis. How did we do that, Dan? Well, other than violating customer privilege on at least three different points that he got in, it's all good. So it's. Well, thank you again, guys. So the only closing comment I'd throw out, Jason, was just... Generally speaking, looking forward, I mean, we're all hitting a stage in our careers where we want to shut down and retire. And for those that are going to come in and backfill certain roles, I mean, this is not something you learn out of a textbook. This is through relationship building. It's through experience. It's through falling down and getting the scabs on your knees. And anybody that thinks you can step into these activities and do this without a level of operational experience and background... And the bruises, I mean, you're Mike, fooling Maybe that's the next podcast as we get some of the young'uns coming through from Plains All-American and IBM and have this real debate, you know, because I think that's what we need to do. We need to be showing the people an understanding. But thanks again, guys. I know we need to close it out, but we'll do the next version of Galenis Dan version two soon. So, guys, thank you very right. much for listening. Yeah, please give us your comments. We'll adapt, adopt, improve what we need to do in podcast. And, Jim, that's a wrap. Thank Cheers, you, guys. guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Cheers, Mike. Thanks, guys. Join us again next week on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.